0: Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast. And today, I am overjoyed to have a conversation with the effulgent Ambrosia Matthews. Ambrosia, welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, Ambrosia is a psychic medium and a mama of three, who has been seeing and communicating with spirits since the age of five. She also acts as a channel to loving and benevolent Arthurian beings. Ambrosia utilizes these abilities and more while hosting her own project, in her Bloom Podcast, which she co-hosts with her best friend Alexis Hauser. It is Ambrosia's life mission to bring healing, peace, and clarity to those who are seeking to understand their purpose and live their best lives while here on Earth. So, Ambrosia, I'm going to ask the first question I ask all my guests, and I so look forward to hearing your answer, which is, what does it mean to you to be a modern mystic?
1: I love that question. I think, to me, what it means is, allowing yourself to move from a place of intuition and being led by spirit and your highest power and also coming from a grounded state of being from a really logical human perspective and a human viewpoint that we all have issues, that we all have problems. And it's up to us to perceive them in various ways to help us move through the discomfort and not to avoid the discomfort.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And it's so important because when you hear these topics such as psychic and medium and even, you know, mystic, and that's why I called the podcast Modern Mystic, that accentuation on modern, because it is so much, as you said, so wisely about being grounded about being logical, about the realness of life, like mysticism and and really all the spiritual traditions engage with and try to help and troubleshoot the challenges of what it is to be human. So it's not about like going outside of ourselves and then staying there. It's like, no, how do we connect to forces on the outside that actually live within ourselves to actually live a more embodied, real, uh, downloaded, grounded, anchored life so we can be that way for all the people, you know, in our lives and in this world. Um, so I love that answer that you, you're you initiating this conversation. It's so great. It's it's very grounded. I, I love the, the thinking about intuition in this land of groundedness and, and want to start our foray of the conversation there, because obviously this is your area of expertise. And I work with a lot of people who are mystically curious or really steeped in mysticism through my yoga meditation teaching and intuitive coaching business with private clients and they so badly want to be more in touch with their intuition and psychic capacities and to me they're so intrinsically connected so let's start here with some grounded concrete thing that in your mind would be say like the top three to five practices one could do to develop their inner nascent and inner GPS, I like to call it, AKA one's intuition? I love that question so much because it
1: is a question that so many people ask. And I feel like, first, a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit. Um, everybody has intuition, everybody has a higher self, a higher sense of knowing. And it's really when you lean into what you're capable of that you understand what is your intuition and what is your ego. And so a few things that I help people do and I help people control their abilities and be able to practice their abilities and kind of accentuate it or really be able to reduce the fear around it because it can be quite fearful Um, Or people can be quite fearful of seeing people that have passed away or um, starting to channel. That can be a scary situation if you don't know what's happening, right? So a few things that I teach people are first, automatic writing. Um, Automatic writing is when you allow your ego self to take a side seat and you're distracting your ego self And you're really getting in touch with your spirit team, your higher self, whatever you um, are intending to contact. And so how I do this is you set an intention in the beginning. Um, Usually I like people to start with intending to connect to their protector guide. And you raise your vibration because it's easier if your vibration is high. Not impossible, but it's easier. And then um, you set a timer for 60 seconds, get a piece of paper and a pen, and you write down every single thing that goes on in your head for 60 seconds. The reason the timer is there is because you have a designated starting and stopping point. And so it allows yourself to kind of take a side seat because it's only 60 seconds. It's not a long time. Um, The reason you write it down is because it allows your hand, your body to be busy while your mind is going somewhere else, right? So you can type it, but I find that writing works better. And then you just keep writing. So you're not really thinking or trying to be conscious of what you're doing. You're just writing, I hate this. This is stupid, whatever you want to write. And then what most people notice, I've not had someone that that isn't able to do this. Some people are able to write a whole paragraph, a very, very long amount of uh, words and information that comes through. And for some people, it's just a sentence and there's no right or wrong to this, but the people that it's just a sentence. Um, I had someone they were writing, I hate this, nothing, 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 nothing. And then they said, why do you ask the questions you already know the answers to? And they Mm. stopped because they realized that wasn't them, right? That was higher intelligence. That was something else that came through. And so it's those little moments when you start to see the difference, you start to feel the difference that I try to teach. Mm. Another thing is um, listening to your body. Your body keeps the score, right? So it's really about feeling a moment in your body where it is an absolute yes moment. What does that feel like to you? Does your heart rate for- with excitement? Um Race with excitement. Does uh, Do your palms get sweaty? Um, do you feel it in your stomach? Do you feel it in your throat? Where do you feel that yes? And then know where you feel the no. And the biggest part with that one is honoring your yes and no. That's the biggest part because that's when we start to say things like, well, I just don't know. I'm confused. I don't understand. Well, that's because you don't believe that you can trust yourself. And therefore, you don't believe you can trust your intuition. And so it's when we set those boundaries and we really honor ourselves, we really say, this feels like a no to me. And I don't even know why. I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like a no in my body. So I'm going to honor that and I'm not going to do it. And that is difficult because that comes with disappointing others. And a lot of people are resistant to disappointing others for various reasons. But I feel like when we start to really honor those things in ourselves and we really set those boundaries and those intentions of, this is my line, you cannot cross my line, or this doesn't feel good to me, then your intuition will really begin to speak with you.
0: Mm. Ah, oh, so much wisdom! I love both those exercises, and I'm laughing because yesterday I just recorded my episode on the third chakra, which is all about healthy boundaries, and the one before that, the second chakra, was all about intuition and how they play together. And so you and I are like the same line of the same page, and it and it is so you know important what you said, to really listen to one's body, again, modern mystic, not going outside of the body, but the body is like this amazing technology, right, and gateway to our intuition and psychic abilities. And I love what you said, that mini exercise of really feeling into, okay, what's yes and what's no, and Don't you find with your clients, I know I found with myself and people I work with, if you start with smaller things, you know, like if if you feel like you're not psychic or not that intuitive or you don't know how to access that yet or you haven't played with that yet in that terrain, then starting with simple things like, what do I want to eat? Do I want this kind of tea or do I want this kind of tea? Or should I go right down the street or left? When the stakes are not high, right? When it's not so consequential. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like people have more access because they don't feel pressure and then they can hear yes and no. And then you can build from there, like a muscle up towards more significant things. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. I feel like,
1: um, when I'm teaching people how to control the energy when they're channeling, we do, I don't know if it's automatic talking or what the case is. Right. I, but what i found is that when we start with really basic questions Is the sky blue or green? You know what I mean? Like, are you happy or sad? Like really basic questions. The information comes in really clearly and really easily and quickly. But when it's these questions of what's the purpose of life? Well, I have no idea. And so now your ego is going to come in and and start to say, well you don't know this, you're an imposter, and start to really beat up on you in various ways and all to try to keep you safe, right? There's a purpose to the ego. It's not just to get rid of the ego. But that's not beneficial in a moment like that, right? It's it's understanding when it's beneficial and when it's not beneficial. And so I feel like you're, what you're saying is absolutely correct when you can start to do small little tasks to yourself. Do I want to go left or do I want to go right? Um, that will definitely help build that muscle. And if you are having a hard time deciding a simple task, do I want to go left or do I want to go right? Perhaps that's because you're making too many choices throughout the day and you don't feel supported. And that's leading to, I don't know, and anxiety. And that's kind of a different situation because our inner children or our egos will try to keep us safe. And that can actually lead to hurting us or us creating this disconnect in ourselves and our bodies, um, because we feel like if we're small, if we don't know, if we don't, you know, if we're sick, whatever the case may be, then we'll be supported, we'll be taken care of, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Mm, so that's really fascinating. So you, I think I heard you say if you if an individual is making too many choices in a day and not supported, do you mind extrapolating on that a little bit more, like an yeah. example of that, please? Sure. So... I know that for me, when I am,
1: when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling, it's usually when I'm about to break through into a new area of my life in a good way. It's the shift from stagnant energy to new, exciting energy, but the in-between phases of that are really uncomfortable. And so for me, I will feel really lethargic. I'll feel like I don't know what I want, I can't make this choice, Um, I'm unsure and I'll tell myself these stories that don't serve me. And so it's when you kind of, you look back and you say, who's talking right now? That's another thing that I, I really think that people should pay attention to. I think when I tell people pay attention to the voices in your head, everybody laughs at that, but it's true when you do something well, who is speaking to you? When you do something that you don't think you did well, who is telling you that you failed? Is it your mother? Is it your father? Is it a younger version of you? Like my 15 year old version of me is not a nice person, right? She's like, she's a little mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like it's these versions of ourselves or other people that we're just listening to that narration. And we're just blindly following it rather than waiting and saying, hold on, who is narrating the story right now and why? What's the purpose behind this? And so it took me a little bit to figure out that I actually do know what I want. I actually do know if I want to go left or right. I'm just nervous about moving into that next level. And so then when this comes up again, right, it's coming up for me right now with my social media platforms. I'll say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I actually do know. I just know that I'm about to go to the next level and it's a little scary. And so I can soothe myself in various ways with EFT, with breath work, um, body work, whatever the case may be, whatever feels good to me in the moment. To help me push through that next level because it is uncomfortable. And I think people are so quick to avoid the discomfort. And most people don't understand that that's why we're here. It's not to avoid the discomfort, but it's actually to embrace the discomfort and move with it and embrace the joy and move with that too, all of the emotions. But we're mm-hmm. not here to avoid certain emotions
0: love that love that because the emotions are so closely tied into our psychic abilities don't you think like there are those doorways and pathways in Mm, so many beautiful downloads very inspiring and I'm wondering, because you've been communicating with spirits since you were five years old, and I love this, when I read your bio, I'm um, hearing that age, because when I started my practices and was introduced to meditation, I was five. So I was like, spiritual high five, yo! Because <laughs> I don't know if I've met anyone that exact age. But um, I think of it as sacred, with the five elements coming to support support us. Um, but for you personally, how did this psychic awakening come about? And is this something that you've put a lot of focused energy into developing or is it more like a gift you, you let flow?
1: Um, I love that. So when I was a child, I was terrified of this ability. Mm. I remember telling my mom that I could hear people talk to me Mm -hmm. and she thought I had schizophrenia, not, not saying that in a funny way, very serious. She was very worried about me,
0: Mm. but my
1: mom is extremely fearful of, of therapists. Um, with her own stuff, right? Her own realities in that. So she never took me to anybody to see if I was actually schizophrenic. Um, but I remember being in my room and I, we moved around a lot. So that's why I knew what age it is. But I remember being in my room and I would hear people say, I just need you to help me. And it gives me goosebumps to this day. Yeah. I just need you to help me. And I could hear them the way I hear you. It wasn't in my head. It was out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would cry and I would cry and I would say, please go away, please go away. And even until I was in my twenties, I remember I would say a prayer every single night. I would say, please, God, don't let me see, hear, feel anything, um, today or tomorrow. Just like, I just took it one day at a time. Please just don't let me do it. And in high school, I told a few people, and they told me that I was the devil. And yeah. oh. when I was, yeah, when I was in my 20s, um, I remember going to somebody who could see people that had passed away as well. And um, I said, What do you do? And she said, I just pray it away. And I was like, oh, Okay, well, that's not helping. And um, it wasn't until I was pregnant with my second child that my husband was like, I really think, cause it was coming in really strong when I was pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, and my that husband,
0: womb portal is real. It, I had exactly. that experience too. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were close to that divine, up close and snuggling. <laughs> and so my husband said,
1: I think you should really like, like um, tap into this. I think you should see what's going on here. And so I said, okay, okay. And so I got a teacher And, um, it was great. And then I got another teacher and another teacher and another teacher. And I, I was taught by shamans. I was taught by Reiki healers. I was taught by psychics, mediums. I was taught by a lot of different people because I wanted a lot of different perspectives on what was like, why do I see people's faces shift and morph in front of me? I want to know why I want to know, um, when I see a situation play out in front of me, is it happened? Is it going to happen? What? why is this happening? Right. Because as intuitive as I am, I'm also a very logical person and I'm very scientific in the fact of, can I replicate this and how many times can I replicate it? Right.
0: <laughs>
1: and so then uh, my brother died. My brother and I were not close. Uh, my brother was an addict and, um, We didn't get along and he, we didn't know, I didn't know a lot about him. And he passed. And the night that he passed away, I remember feeling his death. I remember I felt how he was dying. Hmm. And I didn't even really understand what was happening at that time. But I just said, Aaron, please stop this. I can't, I can't physically take this. And it stopped. And so I went to bed and the next day he came to me and it was a full on, I could see him everything. Um, and he wanted to deliver messages to my sister, who he was very close to, um, my nieces, who he was very close to, and his girlfriend, who I had never met before. And so the information that I shared with them, they were just blown away. They were like, that's spot on, this is creepy, accurate And I'll share one story. So my brother, like I said, he was an addict. Um, He was in a gang and he was actually murdered by a rival gang. Okay. Mm,
0: So sorry.
1: That's okay. So um, his girlfriend at the time was running for her life um, because they didn't know at the time who was going to come after her. So she was in a completely different state. I'm on the phone with her, and I've only heard about this happen maybe three times, but I'm on the phone with her, and my brother is showing me a picture of him flexing and um, in a box, and I asked her, does that make sense? And she said, no, I don't understand that, and he tells me that it's under her bed. So I tell her, he's telling me that this stuff is under your bed. She's like, Ambie, that doesn't make any sense at all because I'm in a completely different state. I'm not even at my house. I have nothing here, literally nothing. I said, just go look under the bed that you're sleeping in. And sure enough, there was a little wooden box with a picture of him flexing in the box. Wow. I have, I've heard that some, some um, spirits can make physical objects manifest out of thin air. And I don't remember exactly what it's called, but I've only heard of it like three times. It's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that what, what an incredible story. And yeah, in the yoga world, people, they're called cities is the Sanskrit word for the yogis listening. And, and, you know, there's the understanding you get to certain, you know, um, levels of evolution and you can start to do that you know you move material objects and things like that and that's not the goal but it is a byproduct for sure and I've heard of stories like that but how incredible that you were in the heart of a plot of that yeah <laughs> that's that's really really to me like such a amazing affirmation and like a thumbs up from the universe to you and your divination power and tools and and calling in this world to, to serve others you know and from such a raw and personal space i really honor that wow and is it something that you've learned to turn on and off from working with others because i love that point too friends who are listening because i i do think some people as you mentioned, do feel underneath it scared. Like they crave it, crave it, crave it. But then underneath it, they push it away because it does feel scary. Mm -hmm. I love your story that's so affirming in the way of studentship, like to always be a student. And when we have different gifts, even though they're gifts, we need to refine those gifts in order to serve our unique medicine to the world in a way that's healing, in the way that's appropriate and measure, et cetera, like medicine. So I'm wondering when you worked with different healers and people who knew more than you and supported you in your development of these gifts, did they help you kind of learn to turn some of this on and off or how do you navigate that now that they're even more honed and developed?
1: So that's a good question. Um, so I had, I don't do cards. I read people's energies. Okay. And a lot of intuitives do that. Um, the first teacher that I ever had was a shaman. And we were working on a lot of inner child work and we were working on different energies. And she basically said, you need You need a psychic medium because that's what you are like. I can only take you so far. And so I got another teacher and she was a tarot reader. And so she tried to teach me tarot and it didn't go well because <laughs> I didn't feel connected to tarot. I didn't feel it's a lot to learn. There's like certain ways that you spread out the cards and it depended upon like what your intention is. And it's a lot. Um, And so that wasn't a great relationship because she wanted me to be something that I wasn't, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm, Totally.
1: So then I got another teacher and I used to... If you look way back on social media, you'll see this, it's so embarrassing. I used to have to walk around when I would do readings. Right? And so you'll see me on social media on Facebook Live walking around doing readings for people. Like pacing kind of. Like well, I was outside taking a walk, so it was nice, but yeah, pretty much pacing. Interesting. And Interesting. so I would tell I told this teacher, she said, "Give me a reading." And I said, "Well, I can't do that. I have to walk around." And she said, "No, you don't." The, you think you have to walk around, but all you're doing is moving energy. So you can move energy in different ways. And she taught me how to be able to sit still, give a reading, but still move the energy around so it wasn't stagnant and so I could receive information. And then shared with me that a lot of mediums do that. They write down notes. They'll play with objects. They'll move their feet. Like they're doing different things, but because they're on camera, they're not up walking around. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that was really helpful and um, great experience, great relationship with her. And um, then her teacher, I actually took a class from and went over a little bit more of like the grieving process of someone who's lost a loved one, who's going through divorce, who any kind of loss in their life, you're always going through a grieving process. And so um, for example, when you have someone that is in the denial stage of grief, it doesn't matter what you say to them, it's not going to connect because they're in denial of it, right? So it's not you so much, it's just you have to honor them where they are and let them go. And so that was really helpful too. The turning on and turning off, or dimming down, or opening up that's really something that my guides showed me so that I could have a somewhat normal life without going into public and starting to go up to random strangers and asking them about their uncle Tom. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that was (laughs) extremely beneficial, but there are moments, um, even to this day where there'll be a spirit in my house or, you know, it's usually a spirit. Um, and they ask me for help and I'll have to tell them like, you're going to have to bring your living ones to me. We can't, um, You know, it doesn't it doesn't work like this. I can't just find your living ones. I'm not going to be a a weirdo like that. So, boundaries, right? Boundaries,
0: even with the spirits, isn't that well? You have to you have to set boundaries with them. So, well, I want to talk about that. So, can we um, move towards that? Because that was something that I was wondering as you're speaking right now. That, you know, I've always had like a more idealistic, and I think a lot of people. Um, vision of angels and spirit guides, etc. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of that way about human beings anyway, like always expecting the best. And that's my Libra personality. But, um, you know, as the years have gone by, and I've started developing more and more my psychic ability, um, I was wondering about boundaries, which is part of my life's work in the human realm. And as I've seen different visions and things like that, was wondering about boundaries. And so I started reading this more recently about boundaries and was almost surprised, I think in a very naive way, to read different psychic and healers talking about the need to discern and not just Mm -hmm. let all energies in with people and to be really intentional. And so, yeah, can you share how, how you practice psychic discernment and boundaries and the whole high, you know, how do you know if the spirit or archetype you're connecting is the high road, so to speak, or the low road? How do you, how do you deal with this?
1: So a couple of things. Um, For me, discernment is in all aspects of life. There are a lot of living people that I don't agree with, that I don't particularly care for. And so my discernment is to take what they say with a grain of salt and really go by what my intuition says, right? Mm -hmm. There are um, a lot of people that have passed that will do the same thing, right? They'll tell me something and I'm like, oh, I don't know if grandma's really up to speed on what we're doing in society right now, right? So maybe take grandma's (laughs) advice with a grain of salt. But (laughs) when grandma tells you to stay in a toxic relationship, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> um so for me that that's really the biggest piece there but how do I do it personally so when I'm working with a client privately and I'm giving someone a reading I verify who I'm talking to with a few key pieces how did they pass um what's their relation to you are they giving are they giving me any names um, is there anything that I can, what are they wearing? What do they look like? Is there anything that I can pinpoint that this is the loved one that you want to bring through? Because just someone's, because just, uh, cause someone's father passed, goodness gracious, it doesn't mean that they want to speak to them, right? It might be a one way street that they want to, um, talk to grandma, but maybe their dad wants to talk to them, but maybe dad was abusive and they don't want to talk to him. So mm-hmm. I really want to honor that for my client. Mm-hmm. And I really want to honor that for the person that's passed away as well. Um, and I'll give you an example of this. This is the craziest situation. It's very unlikely that it happens, but it did happen to me. Giving someone a reading. She wants to bring her father through. So I'm going over and I see a man show up. And he's wearing kind of like a, like a, like an apron, but like a butcher's apron. And he's mm-hmm. just giving me this like creepy smile. And so I'm trying not to judge. And I say, did your, was your dad a farmer? <laughs> Is he a butcher? And she's like, no. And I said, okay. And then I asked the spirit, can you show me something different? Like, I don't understand what you're trying to show me. And th- all of a sudden he's holding a knife and he had blood all over him. Hmm. And I said, are you sure your dad wasn't a butcher? Because this is what I'm seeing. And I explained to her, I'm seeing this man. He's wearing an apron. He's holding a knife. He's smiling. I have goosebumps. Um, he's got brown hair. And I explain, he's overweight. And I explain what he looks like. And she goes, get him out, get him out, get him away from you. And so I send him away. And she tells me that in the 80s, she was actually abducted by a serial killer. What? Yep. And she was the only victim that got away from him. And when he was put to death, he's been haunting her ever since. And every medium she goes to, he will come forward. Oh, my God. So that's why for me, it's so important to verify who I'm talking to for my sitter. Because that just because the person comes through, it does not mean that they want to talk to them.
0: It is such a wise thing and, and listeners it's really take this in because I feel like in really so many spiritual modalities and psychological work and even, you know, groups that you might be in spiritually, mystically, like it is so important to not be promiscuous. Because this is like your energy, this is your psychology. And that is such an aberration of a story, but it really is true. Like if you're going to a psychic, if you're going to a therapist, if you're going, like if you were going to have physical surgery, like you would do due diligence. Right. And and I think sometimes that in the psychic spiritual realms or, you know, getting your cards read, whatever it is, like people are a little less understanding of the importance to seek out excellence and people like yourself who are really being mindful that this psychic kind of interaction and, and tapping in is very precarious, it can be. Um, it's like psychic surgery in a way I think of it, so wow. Whoa, what a story. Now, how do you how do you tell spirits to go away? I mean, are you just I mean, you I, you are such a boss. <laughs> now <And> our <laughs> listeners can tell already. Like if you if you said anything, I'd pretty much do it. But like what <laughs> what specifically do you do? Do you stomp? Do I've had I've known healers who stomp. I know people with salt, you know, the whole thing. Do you just verbally say go or how, how did you how did you get the serial killer spirit away?
1: <laughs> so the serial killer spirit was and I'm not going to say which one it is, but he is a famous serial killer. Um, the. The serial killer was very, very hard to actually get rid of, actually, because he didn't want to leave. Um, he liked the idea that um, he, I kind of was freaked out by him. Um, it gave him a sense of power, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people have a misunderstanding that once they transition, they're all love and light and everything's great. And that's not always the case. I mean, they still have a lot of human qualities and a lot of human characteristics. And um, so I digress. So the, most of the time I'll tell someone, you know, you need to leave, go back to where you came from. Thank you for being here. And I'm usually very polite about it because, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or be rude. So I say, thank you for being here. It's time for you to go back to where you came from. And then I smudge and, um, I will do like a, like an energy clearing. as like a visualization that serial killer. I had to get, um, I had to get one of my healer friends over and cleanse the whole house. It wasn't that I still felt him here, but it was that I was taking extra precaution because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get like a psychic attack while I was sleeping or anything like that. So,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So just in the way of people who are newer to developing their psychic abilities, you know, what are things that they stack the deck in their favor for, because they might hear this and go, oh, that's really scary. I mean, I still have chills. But what are ways they can, you know, insulate their space? You know, what are like little, I don't know, two or three hacks, you know, like putting salt around them, setting intention that only positive, helpful and healing energies check in, like do those things in your mind work.
1: Um, the salts around them, I've done that. And for me, it's more cumbersome than it's worth. Honestly, it's Mm -hmm. now I've got to clean up a huge mess on the floor. Right. Um, so for me, I say that halfway kidding, but it's mostly visualizations and being really, really familiar with my guides and my protector. So Mm -hmm. I have really, really strong protector guides. Um, and if I'm in a situation, it's only happened a couple times, But if I'm in a situation where I don't feel comfortable, where I feel like I'm going to be harmed emotionally, physically, energetically, I will ask my protector guide to take me out of the situation or to get rid of the person. Um, And I haven't had it not work. Um, I also teach people to use a protective bubble. So I'll teach you just a little bit about uh, protection the way that I teach it. Take this however you want. Fabulous. So... It's a three, three layers of protection. The first layer is like a bubble, an eggshell, a clamshell. The most important thing is that it's circular or oval. The reason that you want it to be circular or oval is because you don't want any energy to stagnate if it's like a box on top of it or anything like that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you can have it be see-through like a bubble or solid like a shell if you want to. It just depends on if you want to be able to see the energy outside or if you don't want to at all. Um, But knowing that nothing can harm you in the bubble and knowing that um, nothing can get in your bubble, that's really the key piece here. And you can make it as close to your body or as far away from your body as you like. The second one is really, really good for human beings. Um, It's really, really good for uh, people that you're dealing with that might be quite difficult. And that's a two-way mirror. So you've got to get pretty good at this because you don't want to have a conversation with somebody and close your eyes and start to visualize. Like that's kind of might not Mm -hmm. be acceptable in a situation. Mm -hmm. So um, what I do is if I'm having a difficult conversation or I'm having a conversation that's quite difficult with someone, um, I imagine that I'm looking at them, but what they're seeing is is themselves. They're not seeing me. Mm -hmm. And so typically people will treat with narcissist or things like that people will treat themselves better than they treat you and so that's really beneficial if you have a boss that's um not listening to you or or something along those lines and then the third one is your protector guide so everybody has a different protector guide i like to work with archangel michael and what i imagine um i have an embarrassing story about him actually but what I imagine is his cape turning into like a solid metal shield all the way around me
0: mm, and engulfing so me. And what's your embarrassing story now that you mentioned it? You so <laughs>
1: so um, when my brother passed, that's when Archangel Michael came in really, really strongly, probably to, in a way, protect me you know from my brother too cuz like i said he didn't make great decisions and yeah. wasn't the nicest person when he was living mm-hmm. so i kept seeing this man behind me and his red cape would like engulf me and i kept feeling like why is this person here like who is this i don't understand and when i was <laughs> it's so embarrassing when i was working with one of my teachers they saw him and they said that's Archangel Michael. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know who it was. That's so embarrassing.
0: Um, So it's a good time. That that is really cute. And um, psychic problems, hashtag. (laughs) You're like, who's this hot guy following me and married? It's like Archangel Michael. I love it so much. Well, listeners, just to recap, I love what you said, the psychic bubble or eggshell or any kind of shell. The two-way mirror, I had never heard of that. And I love that idea of, um, yeah, people seeing you with that energy you're putting out of seeing themselves in the way of working is particularly with narcissists or people who are self-focused and not giving and receiving. And then protector guide, which I want to talk a little bit more about how to tune into that. But I'm going to ask you that a little bit later because I really want to... Get Your Wisdom Download on the, I guess I think of it like a Venn diagram of mental health episodes and psychic experience because I haven't heard anyone. I mean, I, I'm so like you, I'm a busy mom of three, so I don't have copious amounts of times to go looking for this kind of thing. Um, but in my experience, in the spiritual realms, I've been going to like temples and ashrams my whole life, meeting many people, who are having psychotic breaks, so to speak, or major mental health issues. And then also seeing that they have very honed psychic abilities, and a lot of access to the psychic realm. And what I don't hear spoken a lot about is this, this grappling, and how, you know, we have and you mentioned it beautifully with your own childhood and your mama, like, Oh, my God, my mom thought I might have, you know, schizophrenia, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: how often in our society, we just label. Like if you take someone to a shrink and they're hearing voices, like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, I mean, I, I would not be saying that to a shrink, you know, um, that I've ever met. And so, yeah, what's your experience with this? Have you had this experience with people like that you've met that are really tr- trudging that fine line of like psychotic breaks or breakdowns and yet they have incredible access maybe due to those breaks? So the
1: way that I think it's important for me to give a little backstory, but the way that I see spirits now is not always the way that I once saw them. And that's Mm. a really normal, it'll change as you expand and grow and, you know, it doesn't mean that you're lesser or anything like that. But I don't physically see spirits the way that I did even a year ago, right? It's more in my mind's eye now and um, a knowing, okay? Mm. But when I started this uh, three years ago, maybe four, when I started doing this professionally, it was a full person in front of me. I could tell you ex- like, what they were wearing to a tee, what wrinkles they had on their face. And I remember going into a crystal store and um, talking to the lady that owned it. And she said to me, and she was very intuitive as well. She said, you're walking in between two worlds. And a lot of intuitives get lost there. She said, if you don't get someone to help you hone in on this skill, you're going to get lost on the other side. And mm. I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. I just knew like, okay, this is a sign I need to get a teacher, right? Um, and as I started going down this road, I understand now that a lot of people that are highly, highly intuitive – can kind of go the other way or like get really lost in the intuition um, because it's, it is a different world and it is a different reality. Right. And I feel like people with mental illness or, or mental health issues um, are in a different reality. They're not in the same reality that we're in. Right. And that's not bad or, or good or wrong. It's just different. And so to be on earth, you have to really decide, do I want to be here? Because I feel like that is a part of that disconnection is uh, maybe they've had some tra- trauma. Maybe they've had um, you know some issues come up and they haven't fully decided that they want to be here. And mm. there's nothing wrong with that either. So it's fully deciding that they want to be here, and then also getting the appropriate therapy, medication, et cetera, that's necessary to be in this physical body. Um, but yeah, I've met a lot of, I've met a lot of intuitives that I have felt into that I know you are in a different reality. This is not the same reality. And because of that, it feels like people are out to get you. It can feel like I can't do anything right. It can feel like, um, I hear things or, um, different things of that nature. I remember I knew someone, um, who was having a breakdown, like a a full kind of breakdown. And, um, They were hearing voices and they actually heard something about me and they were right about it. It wasn't that they were off. They were absolutely right about it. But the voices were telling them that they can't trust anybody, that uh, no one, uh, everybody was out to get them, that they should just kill themselves. um, A lot of really negative things. And they were asking, is this a spiritual awakening? And I said, no, it is not. Um, This is you need, you need to see someone about this. Like you need help. And, um, they didn't understand why it wasn't a spiritual awakening. Well, in my experience, spiritual awakenings are quite uncomfortable. However, um, you're not going to hear voices tell you to kill yourself. You're not going to hear voices tell you that you can't trust anybody. You It's not something that you can't sleep on days on end because you're so paranoid about these voices. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different. So I feel like it's really important to reach out for help. If you are having something like that happen, because everybody needs help sometimes and there's no shame in asking for it, whether it's a mental health issue or whether it is a true spiritual awakening and maybe you just need someone to hold space for you Mm -hmm. either way. It's always a good idea to ask for help if you feel out of control.
0: Mm, that is such a compassionate and helpful, elucidating answer. Thank you so much. Because and it, it really could be that getting help and finding the spiritual and psychological team for that person becomes the spiritual breakthrough, right? Yeah. Huh. Um, And it really is, like you said so beautifully and really adeptly, the idea that there are different realms. And I loved how you put, you know, someone saying to you, you can get lost in the other realm. So it's like, how do we keep one foot in that realm, but then very solidly grounded another foot in this realm of embodiment? Hmm, really gorgeous. Um, So in the way of people who crave to develop their intuition and psychic skill sets and to study. I feel like often my students are looking at a lot of information, and I'm someone who loves information and is constantly reading books and such. But I've also noticed in my own personal development of these skills that a lot of it is about putting less information into my system and this is something that's come to me really in the last decade or so and really about emptying out more than inputting in um, you know and this is so much the the teaching in the the yoga and many eastern traditions of the divine feminine like the receptivity and being and and really Becoming living embodiments of divine principles and knowledge, so we can be catalysts for transformation through direct transmission of frequency, and that often is like actually shedding as opposed to inputting. And I'm so I'm wondering your take on that. What do I say about this? I feel like it's
1: it, you said it so beautifully. I feel like there we're always changing, we're always evolving as human beings, as spiritual beings, as light beings, like I like to say. Mm. Um, and so to keep yourself in one stagnant position is really doing yourself a disservice. Um, but I, I love what you said about shedding the layers. I feel like that is so important and something that definitely needs to be in the forefront of people's minds. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah,
0: beautiful, simple and and pithy is good. Pithy is good, yeah. And I know you said earlier um, in the, the very beginning of our conversation how you, it sounded like you said, I should rephrase that, psychic abilities are really egalitarian and that many people can have access to them, really everyone. So I just wanted to confirm that you think that, that really does, does everyone have the, the psychic ability,
1: so I feel like everybody has the psychic ability. I feel like everybody is able to, I feel like everybody is able to connect to spirits too. Everybody has the mediumship ability. However, um self-doubt gets so in the way for so many people. Everybody has the ability to be a millionaire, right? Everybody has the ability to wake up and and make if they want to make $100,000 a year. It's not as though some people can make the amount of money and some people can't. It's the limiting belief that you have. It's the limiting belief that I can't do this because of my family history. I can't do this because of how I was raised. I can't do this because people like me don't get to do this, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not as though this information is for a few people only and no one else has access to it. But it's the limiting belief that we have that makes us think, well, this guru is the one with all the information. And that is really a dangerous belief. And that's why I feel like discernment is so important because I would really like to see, and I feel like we are as a society moving out of the guru phase, moving out of this one person has all the answers, Um, And I don't hold any power in myself rather than taking the information and empowering yourself. So when people, when I do readings for people and they ask me, will my marriage work, for example, and I see that it's not going to, right? Mm -hmm. What I tell them is I am seeing one timeline potential. Does that mean that this timeline potential is the end all be all? No. But on the most likely timeline, this will not work unless X, Y, and Z happens, right? But you always have free will and choice to change what intuitives have seen. Um, And I feel like it's really dangerous though when we put the power in someone else, whoever else that may be in whatever area of your life that is, whether it's money, intuition, um, time, whatever category you want to put that in.
0: Mm, That's really, really, really empowering. And I really hope people hear this. And I want to emphasize this, that, you know, whatever a psychic tells you, there is free will, there's power to t- change that. And to really check in with how your inner teacher feels about what they're saying, your inner GPS. I've been really blessed. I've met a few great literal like gurus, Indian gurus in my life. And it said like the great gurus, which guru for those who are listening who don't know the etymology of that term, guru, guru means remover. guru means of darkness. And it's the whole idea that, like the mirror, a great guru actually reflects you back to yourself. Mm-hmm. It ref- a great teacher actually ends up, you know, maybe giving you some breadcrumbs to then look back at yourself and the understanding in the yoga tradition is that the guru lives within it's called the guru principle. And so the elder teacher just reflects that principle that lives deep buried within your own heart. And you are the teacher at the deepest you know, level of self. And so that's really, really beautiful and so helpful. And then the, the people who are on our teams, they're, you know, supports guides. Um, but really in the end, we are the teacher. And that's so, so eloquently put. I just love how you speak about all of this. Have you worked on developing specifically connections with your ancestors or family bloodlines? And do you call them in with your work? And do you recommend others doing the same? I come from an Irish background, and that's really big in, like, the priestess tradition. And I'm wondering, with your practices, do you do that? And if you do, how do you do that? What are things you do to connect with them? So thank you for asking this question.
1: I personally don't. Um, so my backstory is, um, I am actually, I was actually kidnapped at four years old. Um, and it's a crazy story, but the short version is, um, when I was four years old, I was taken away by my sister, uh, to go live with my aunt that I had never met before because my biological mother was, um, actually trafficking my sister. Mm. And so my sister didn't want to that life for me. So, um, for me personally, I have never been interested in my ancestors because I'm a little worried about the types of people they might have been. Mm. So i i am I am good with that. I have done um, a few, and because of who my birth mother is, I actually don't have any information about my biological father. None. Mm-hmm. I just know that my skin is darker compared to the rest of my family. I have a few features that don't fit with my family, so I have I have no idea. Um, but I have done a few meditations, a few visualizations, where you meet your ancestors, and it was quite um, empowering and quite powerful. Um, and I had a negative attachment um, release, which... Let me give a little bit of insight on this because I feel like that can be quite scary to people. Um, I personally believe that we all have negative attachments associated with us. Now, when most people say negative attachments, I think what they're thinking of are like demons or scary beings, right? And I don't necessarily think that that is the case. What I associate a negative attachment to is self-doubt, fear, worry, revenge, things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So I had a teacher and we were working on um, inner child work and and doing that. And um, this bean showed up and he was quite scary and in my face and saying some really ugly things. And she had seen this before. So she said, "Okay, let's talk through who this bean is. And after about an hour of doing this, we discovered that he was my great great-great-grandmother's son, and that uh, she actually killed him because um, she was upset, smacked him, and he died. He was four. Hmm. And he had attached himself to different females in my family um, because he was angry and he wanted revenge, right? And so I was able to clear that family line. And so then when I asked about this, I asked my birth aunt, my mother, I said, do you know if, because she's very familiar with the family line, I said, do you know if your great grandmother um, had any children that died? And she said, yeah, she had a little boy that died at four. Mm. And I said, how uh, how did he pass? And she said, uh, from SIDS. And I said, was she a nice person or like, how did she treat her children? And my mother said, no, no, she was she was not nice. And um, I told her what had happened. And she said, that makes more sense than him dying of SIDS. Apparently, they didn't have a funeral for him. It was just like, we're no longer speaking about him in the family, mm. which yeah. is really, really sad. But I feel like I was able to clear that and allow him to move on to a different place rather than, you know, keep attaching himself to different members of the family and trying to, you know, get his revenge or whatever his, his, uh, point was of that.
0: Wow. What a powerful and demonstrative story of the power of one's own internal spiritual and psychological work. And I really honor like just your story. You are just such a heroine and goddess of your own story. You're amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Um, so inspiring. And I feel like it's something for myself where I am oriented and grew up with a household of yogis. And so I always had the notion of karma and having many, many lives. And so I was very, um, I want to say, totally disinterested, but relatively not so interested in my spiritual work, connecting to ancestors and working on healing family lines. And it's not until I'd say the last like five years. When um, I worked with some people and and dove into this and really gained this understanding, as you so beautifully gave that finite example with your own work and bravery, of when we do our own psychological and spiritual work, it really does impact. It set all the generations that have come before us, and I've heard some different psychics say, like even like the the families and you know. Um, astrally and energetically, like celebrate, like are celebrating when you finally break some major pattern or major cycle, because that translates not only backward through the ancestral lines, but then it actually translates energetically forward to to the people who are co- you know about to come or, or the little beings in your life. Mm-hmm. So wow, absolutely, and I
1: totally agree with that. I feel like that is I've I feel like uh, my sister really helped clear the, the karmic line with, um, or the ancestral line with addiction, right? She is an Mm -hmm. addict, but she moved me out of a situation where I may have been an addict if I had been trafficked. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. So she really helped with that one. And then financially I'm actively clearing that karmic line because or ancestral line, because it feels like, um, People in my family have a very negative perspective or a negative viewpoint of people with money. I was told my whole life, people with money are bad.
0: The root mm-hmm. of all evil is
1: money, right? And so I decided that that is something that I'm going to heal. And so when it's it's a wild ride when you start to push outside of your limitations and you start to really push yourself in a, in a different way, and now I'm making six figures and my mom and my sister and other family members are really upset and really telling me that if I was a truly spiritual person, I wouldn't be asking for money. And so it's a lot of healing work. It's a lot of interesting viewpoints, um, but it's, it's very uh, expansive, very, very expansive.
0: Well, I applaud and honor you for um, being clear with the intention to do that work that you'll heal for your babies and moving forward. And that abundance mentality and the lack mentality is so real and it's a whole nother podcast, you know, about, oh, how, you know, oh, should everything be, oh, free (laughs) for people who, you know, teach spiritual, you know, classes. I mean, it's always like a buzz thing. Oh, you know, or people who offer um, psychic wisdom and all that. And of course, traditionally, like historically for decades up until recently, it was always the case that people were offered money. And I, I find it such a ironic paradox in our capitalistic society that oh all of a sudden we're capitalists but now the the healers and you know shamans and priestesses and psychics and you know spiritual teachers and guides shouldn't be offered money all of a sudden <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah right it makes yeah. no sense no what about past life regression do you, do you um, I've done that, that a couple
1: times and you know what's interesting for me is that it's It's one of those things that I like, I want to fact check it. I want to see like, was I, is this person like, is this location real? And it's, for me, it was really interesting to feel into the, the real disconnection. I felt the real, like, Oh, I don't know if that's true, but for me, what happened was, um, I have had a couple of spontaneous past life remembrances, um I wasn't under hypnosis. It wasn't a true session. I was in a fight with my husband, getting ready to go to sleep, and I remember thinking like if this doesn't work out, I'm marrying for money next time, like F this whole love thing, right? <laughs> and and I was just brought back to Egypt. I was in a tomb. I had like a lovely outfit on. It was all gold. There were three men in front of me ushering me somewhere. And they were saying, over here, over here. He's over here. He's over here. And they had to move this huge door, like huge, huge stone door out of the way. And um, I was going to see whoever it was on the other side. And then my husband in this life (laughs) said, so you're just going to go to sleep? And I was back in this life. And I was sitting there thinking, like, what just happened? Where did I go? What's going on? And I've had a, another uh, funny situation where I was um, – I've always had, like, stomach stuff, not internally, not digest- digestive, but, like, I haven't liked the way my stomach looked. Um, I had my um, – I have diastasis recti, or I used to have it, so I got a surgery to fix it. When they did the surgery, they did it wrong, just, like, a lot of different stomach things. Hmm, and so um, I was doing a reading for someone. And the lead singer of the Ramones came through, or not the lead singer, like the band player. And I was like, "What? what's going on? Like, why are you here? What's happening? And he kept saying, I'm sorry to me. And so then um, he, he showed me like a knife and he was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was like, I don't understand this. And through um, meditation and through a few variouses, Um, There was a man in the 70s named Sid Vicious. Um, He was friends with the Ramones and he was gifted a knife from this band member and um, his girlfriend. They were on drugs and they were really high and he accidentally stabbed her in the stomach and killed her. And um, he was so distraught by it, he ended up killing himself too. But it was a really interesting turn and really validating on like, I really think I was that person in a past life. And a few other things happened too that we don't have time for, but it was, it was a wild ride. So so I wow. definitely believe in past lives.
0: Wow. And do you have any um, specific YouTube links or, or books or any racks for the listeners of, of ways that you like to do that or you recommend doing that? So
1: I do recommend going through like a practitioner, like a past life regressionist. Um, QHHT is really, really good for that as well. Um, You can go in between lives as well. Um, As far as if there's, what I always tell people is a lot of intuitives can see past lives. It's just not going to be a full past life regression, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But if there's an issue that comes up that like, let's say that you're afraid of water you don't really have a reason to be afraid of water, but you're afraid of water. Or let's say that you are afraid you're going to choke every time you eat food. That's a pretty good indication that there's some kind of trauma that's not healed from a past life that you need to think about healing in this life. And it would definitely benefit you to do that. So um, mm. that's what I tell people. But
0: And that's part of that, like really listening to your intuition. And when you get those downloads, like I've always been this way, you can... Like you're saying, pretty much know that, oh, that comes from something that was prior to this life, you know, like some idiosyncratic tendency, some, you know, compulsive tendency, et cetera, I think. Yeah, and we'll all the links in the show, uh, what Ambrosia's speaking of, for sure. And um, yeah, would you do us the great honor of just leading us through like a minute or two or meditation on connecting with one spirit ally? Sure. Spirit protector, I think you said. I love that term. Sure. Okay. Ah,
1: So everybody take a deep breath in. And out. In again. And out. And now I want you to imagine... A light from the top of your head. The light can be any color you want it to be. Moving down the body. Down all the centers of the body. Down to your hips your thighs, to your knees, down to your shins and ankles, into your feet, pulling that light energy into the earth. Now you're going to exchange the earth's energy with your energy. Watch earth's energy come back up through your feet through your shin, through your knees, your hips, up your torso, up to your shoulders, over your neck, into your head. Now you're going to ask your protector guide to touch you. And this might feel like a chill. like a ringing in your ears. Any sensation is normal. Just the sensation of them knowing and you knowing that they're present. You're going to ask them for a sign today. This can be any sign that holds value to you. Now imagine that this protector guide is engulfing you with love, loving energy, warm, safe energy all around your body, completely encapsulating your physical body. Does this remind you of something from your childhood or even from today? And now you're going to start to see a glow around your body. This can be any color you want it to be. And this glow is a protective bubble Type of suit that you get to put on. Anytime you want to feel safe, allow yourself to feel the warmth, the happiness, the joy in your heart. Thank your guide for being there. If they've showed you anything, take that with you. Start to come back to this moment. Deep breath in. And out.
0: Thank you. Mm, thank you so much for that most luscious and profound exercise to help us build our connection to our spirit protector and, and build our psychic muscle. Ambroja, I I just like I need to have you on another time. You have so much joy and profundity and strength and real groundedness in your wisdom and downloads so where can folks find out more about working with you and your important work on this plane and many others thank you so much for having me and i would love
1: to be back um yes yeah, so my website is com, first and last name i also have a podcast called inner bloom um it's a fun podcast we talk a lot about um spirituality with a a kick in the pants like a fun twist. Um you can check that out at innerbloompodcast.com and um
0: for your listeners if they would like to book a reading with me, they can go to my website. Ambrosia is so generously offering my Patreon supporters a 15% off psychic reading. So head on over to my Patreon page, that's patreon.com slash modern mystic love, and consider becoming a Patreon supporter of my work at the $5, $10, $30, or $50 levels and receive all sorts of amazing discounts my guests have to offer, including this psychic reading. Uh, Ambrosia, thank you for that generosity, and really thank you for your openness, for your authenticity and for your spiritual gifts that are elevating all those around you and who come in your path like all of us. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for
1: for being such a light to so many people. You are, you are truly a gift.
0: Thank you. Oh, thank you. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modern mystic love, where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website modernmystic.love where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.